I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello Spring, roll on summer with Garden Man. The outdoor furniture superstore is now online with loads in stock from sofa sets to daybeds to sun loungers and plenty more that can be delivered for free this summer when you visit gardenman.co.uk slash podcast. Hello and a very warm welcome to the virtual RHS Chelsea Flower Show. Hello everyone, my name's Sue Biggs and I'm Director General of the RHS and I'd like to welcome you to Virtual Chelsea 2021. Welcome to Gardening with the RHS. It's Virtual Chelsea Week, and I'm Catherine Potsides, Head of Shows Development at the RHS. Today's podcast is celebrating all things Chelsea Flower Show, which means exploring what's happening throughout this week's online event, and we'll also be looking ahead to September, when we'll be welcoming visitors back to the showground in person, and what a show it will be. Coming up on the podcast, we'll be hearing from garden designer and Chelsea favourite Sarah Eberly about her plans for September's show, and we'll have some more top tips about how to grow delicious food at home. It's my job to make sure the virtual edition of this year's Chelsea Flower Show is full of top gardening tips, exciting new plants and a famous face or two. The connection's way deeper than any piece of furniture or what I do on the inside. I never thought I'd say this No. about a garden. It's, a, it's an emotional connection as well, you know? It's, yeah. You've got living creatures out here. When you're putting plants or roses into pots, you can also put bulbs in as well. Bedding plants, that sort of thing, just to give you extra flowering throughout the spring and into the summer. Your soil is one of the best places to store your water. Once you've got it in your soil, you really want it to stay there. And so what I use is mulch, wood chip, with a really large particle size so that when it does rain, the water will run straight through the mulch and down to the soil, to the roots of your, your plants. I hope you're inspired by Virtual Chelsea this year, and I hope you're enjoying gardening, whether that's in your own garden, whether it's in your allotment, or whether it's herbs on a windowsill. Happy gardening, and here's to Virtual Chelsea 2021. If you'd like to check out any of these videos yourself, you can do so on our website, rhs.org.uk forward slash virtual Chelsea. Looking ahead to September's show now, it's a real highlight for me to put Chelsea together. 
I love seeing the new plant varieties in the Great Pavilion and really looking forward this year to the return of the Chelsea Plant of the Year competition. The buzz as everyone brings their finest blooms to the shows is a real highlight. And with a new date later in the season, we're expecting to be bursting with the best dahlias and chrysanthemums we've ever seen at Chelsea. As well as seeing new specialities in the pavilion, we're delighted to be welcoming back lots of our regulars, including Raymond Everson Clematis, all the way from Guernsey. Raymond is no stranger to Chelsea. He's been breeding and cultivating Clematis for the last six decades and has numerous Chelsea gold medals to his name. September's show will offer a chance for Raymond to showcase his Clematis in a totally new way. With our exhibit at the September Chelsea Flower Show this year, we will have about 2,000 plants on display. There will be about 40 varieties of clematis or cultivars of clematis. The exhibit will be perhaps in three parts. We will have a raised platform area, and that will have trellis work like a pagola at the top. Below that, there will be an area where we will have some of the shorter clematis flowering, so that will give a great splash of colour. And then for those people who have patios or deck gardens, we will have about 11 containers planted up with clematis all in flower. So it will be very colourful and um, all of that will be set in turf, in grass. I think it will look very, very pleasant indeed. To have the opportunity to stage what would have been our May exhibit in September does cause some interesting challenges. I'm really delighted to have that opportunity to show the clematis that will still be flowering in May and how they are repeat flowering. So what will happen is at the moment the plants are coming into flower and we will trim them back and let them enjoy life Through the summer months, they'll flower and grow quite naturally. And then from the beginning of July onwards, we will start pruning the plants back to about three inches, eight, nine centimetres above the soil level in the pots. And then they will be allowed to grow up and come into flower, hopefully on time for the September Chelsea show. So it's giving us great opportunity to prove how great our plants are, our repeat flowering. The flowers, of course, in September will not be as large as they would have been if we presented them in May, but they will still be very colourful. And um, yeah, it's an exciting opportunity. And of course, many years ago, there was always a great autumn flower show and I'd been involved with that. And I think I won one of my first gold medals at the great autumn show many, many, many years ago in the 1960s, I think it was. With people who have our new clematis varieties growing in their gardens, if they're growing in pots and containers, when they finish flowering at the end of May or perhaps at the end of June, they can actually be pruned down, if you wish, to about eight or nine centimetres above the soil or compost level. And as long as the plants are kept well watered and fed, you can use rose feed or tomato feed to feed your clematis then they will certainly grow up and flower well. But many of them will actually repeat flower without having to do that extra pruning. So it's entirely up to the gardener how they want to treat our plants. 
So to have this flower show in September, I think is a marvellous opportunity for the horticultural industry, a marvellous opportunity for gardeners to see a whole range of autumn flowering plants like some of the anemone japonica, shrubs and trees that have gorgeous autumn colour. So people will be able to see different plants that they would have seen in May, and that will give them a great opportunity of thinking for the future of their gardens, because so many gardeners are buying plants that flower in the spring and early summer. They've really forgotten about that autumn flowering. And I know when I was young and got involved with the industry, 75% of the plants that were planted in gardens were actually planted in the autumn and not in the spring. So I think the September Chelsea Flower Show has a great opportunity for the industry and the gardeners to be able to see a, a different range of plants. It's always great to hear from Raymond. Now, another well-known name around Royal Hospital Chelsea is Sarah Eberly. She's been appearing at the show for years and has more than a few gold medals in her collection. I was particularly fond of her last garden at Chelsea, the Resilience Garden, which featured lots of upcycled materials and a fabulous, unique grain silo office full of woven willow walls. It was incredible to see. Sarah's really looking forward to the opportunities that the autumn event will bring. Let's imagine you're out on a walk. And you just come across this auspicious place. It may be a small withered tree with dappled light coming through it and a rock underneath where you can just put yourself down, you feel safe. Last year's garden, which is now going to be this year's garden, is Psalm 23 garden for the Bible Society. I have adapted the garden to the show now in September. And it's interesting because having put the design down for, what is it, 12 months, you see it with fresh eyes. And it's a bit of a worrying moment because you pick it up and you worry you're going to think, what was I thinking? But actually, when I looked at it again, it it felt as fresh. But it also made me realise those listeners who know my work know that I tend to be a little bit out there and like to do unexpected things. And there were a couple of elements of that in the garden, particularly there was an element of glass at the front of the garden that, that held back the bubbling brook. And I looked at it again and I thought, why am I doing that? I could imagine the judges in there thinking, what's that piece of glass doing? You know, what's that got to do with this auspicious place? And I thought, you know, particularly this year, you know, the garden is about that relationship with nature. It's about mental well-being and our individual journeys and how we deal with them. And so I thought, well, actually, of all the years, why don't I just concentrate on that and make that as strong as I possibly can? So that's what I've decided to do. And it closes the front down just a tiny bit, gives the garden more depth because I've managed to bring a couple of small trees to the front of the garden. So there'll be more perspective. So it should really draw you in even more as this really auspicious place. So I think that was a good move. Now I looked at the planting, the nursery who who always do my show plants. We decided I'd have a look at it, they'd have a look at it and we'd see where we need to make changes. And uh, about three or four days later, both of us were like, wow, 
actually, with very little change, I think the garden will be better in September than it would have been in May, even with its plants. So that was that was really exciting, actually, because I was a little nervous about some of the plants. You know, will they be ready in May? You know, it would take quite a lot of extra nursery work to get them to the kind of potential that I wanted from them. So, you know, essentially my planting is quite naturalistic. And that with its, includes quite a lot of grasses. And they, of course, tend to be late season, not all of them, but they tend to be late season plants. So really all I've had to change is my occasional pops of colour. So I have foxgloves and aquilegias and the things you usually see at Chelsea in May that give that extra bit of colour to your garden. So I've had to replace those. But I love September. September for everything, for plants including, is my favourite season. You know, and I'm so excited about it and for seeing plants that we don't normally see. And I think that sort of autumnal tinge will be fabulous. You know, we've got roses with hips on them and, you know, all kinds of things that we don't normally see. And the light, you know, the light in September is phenomenal. You know, in the mornings and evenings, these gardens are just, wow, they're just going to explode as jewels, I think. If there was no Chelsea this year, I at all, I would probably be, you know, head down, you know, trying not to think about it at all and missing it. But because we are going ahead in September, you know, I can treat it like a normal week and just be normal. You know, last six years I've been at Chelsea for the entire period of May. So reclaiming May. And last year, possibly, you know, I didn't really reclaim May because there was so much anxiety about and inability to understand what was happening to us and how to go forward and in lockdown it was very very strict so I sort of discount that so I I see this as my first May where there is no Chelsea and I'm not if there was Chelsea and I'm not taking part that's far more difficult you know it's like oh oh just so jealous you know oh I wish I was doing that I think, as everybody knows, I love taking part in Chelsea. I find it utterly addictive. I test myself at Chelsea. It's the most important horticultural event in the world. So I'm competitive with myself. I'm not competitive with other people. Are we brave enough to risk our, not crazy ideas, but, you know, beginning to be innovative and looking forward? That's quite a difficult thing to do with real clients. And so to actually work through innovative ideas, which I think is what I'm known for in show gardens, to work them forward and to bring them to a sort of conclusion at Chelsea is fabulous. Hearing Sarah's excitement has me really looking forward to the show in September. We've got some amazing large show gardens from designers like Charlotte Harris and Hugo Bug. Robert Myers, Tom Massey, Lily Gom and Naomi Ferret-Cohen. We've also got some fantastic new features at Chelsea this year. We're really going to be focusing on small space gardening. So we've got some containers of inspiration, some balcony designs and also houseplant studios all new to the show in September. Chelsea is amazing for so many reasons. The breathtaking design the sense of community, and of course, the spectacular plants on display. It's inspired generations of gardeners to get growing, everything from ornamental plants to food. And that's where we'll go to next. 
with our weekly feature on growing crops. So far, we've had guides on successional sowing and crop rotation. So now let's hear about intercropping. Now, intercropping is a technique often used in the vegetable garden. And the idea is to use that space around plants that are going to grow through the summer that would otherwise be wasted for the weeks until those plants get bigger. So taking a very straightforward example, if we think about something like sweet corn, it grows in and it's got little grassy shoots. By the end of the season, that'll be a good five, six foot tall and smothering the entire bed with its growth. But in the intervening weeks, there's all those gaps in between of soil. And into those gaps, we can quite easily grow salad plants. So that's how intercropping works. It's literally thinking about, oh, there's a bit of spare space that we can get a crop out of that gap before it, the gap disappears. This is a great technique, of course, if you're also growing in small spaces because you might very easily find that you're growing something like a, a courgette around the edges of quite a large container, initially the space, you could easily pop in a few lettuce or rocket plants, grow them, eat them, enjoy them. And then eventually, of course, the leaves of the courgette will either smother them or you will have eaten that crop. So they will give you that extra use of that space without it necessarily doing anything of harm to the courgette around it. So ideal crops for intercropping. So we've talked about sweet corn. Other things like onions are great. Fennel, remembering, of course, we're still to sow fennel. Fennel needs warm nights of above seven degrees. So often mid-June is a great time to sow that because it'll grow quickly, evenly, without bolting. If you've been planting out tomatoes, you'll know that they need quite a bit of room, often easy again to get crops between those. We're looking for quick maturing things to plant in between. So things like spring onions, lettuce, rocket, coriander, dill, radishes. And if you're aiming for small beetroot, they can also work well, but they, you won't get really good golf ball-sized ones often by the time the other crops begin to mature. In some cases as well, like the sweet corn, you can set the other crops slightly further apart so that those plants that you're intercropping with have a bit more light and time to actually get growing and to reach maturity. Don't forget, you can direct sow into those spaces, but if you're planning a bit ahead or doing successional sowing of other crops as well, you can always grow things in containers and pots and then plant them out slightly larger so that they're going to then grow away quicker and mature quicker as well. So you have a way of getting things in and out of the ground quicker and taking advantage of that intercropping. So intercropping is all about making use of space that will be filled later in season by your crops. But now, if you put in quick maturing things, you'll get an extra crop from that gap. That'll be harvested and gone well before the other plants take over. Thanks, Lee. That's all for this week. For more on today's show and for details on how to get tickets for all the RHS shows, just head to our show notes or visit rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. 
We've got shows coming up soon in July at Hampton Court Palace and Tatton Park in Knutsford. And also, of course, Chelsea in September. In next week's episode, we'll be chatting about some of the gardener's ultimate friends, pollinators, but not the ones you might expect. Pay attention because there's loads of fluffy flies already out there pollinating. And on that note, it's time for me, Catherine Potsidis, to say goodbye. See you later this year for some stellar autumn colour. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced-rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.